Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Uh, if you've noticed on the background of your outline today, and by the way, if you don't have an outline, Johnny will give you one. Um, on the back of your outline today, the, the water mark on that. Uh, Dina put that together through one of Donnie's amazing paintings. I've told you this before. Donnie Finley is a world-renowned artist. He has got paintings in Europe and all over the United States, and he's just the best. And um, several years after Bryant passed, we simply gave Donnie some photos, and uh, we asked that Donnie would do a painting of Bryant, and of course, Bryant is the epitome of a warrior. Donnie took the passage in Ephesians 6, and... captured Bryant's fight in life's message brilliantly. I see it every day in my home, and I'm grateful to you, sir, for using the gift that God gave you for that. Well, some of you may not have heard, and you may have wished you to come on a different Sunday, but um, as you know, we don't, we don't chase around fairy tales here. We deal with real life, and the title of the message um, is the, the Most Painful, The Worst Week of Our Life. 20 years later, this week, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of our only son, our only child's homegoing, Bryant Stephen Franklin. You say, Pastor, why are you doing this? Two or three reasons. Number one, Y'all just need to pray that I can get through this. I ain't trying to be a superstar here. <clears throat> On August the 4th of 2003, 20 years ago, this week, I stood over Bryant's body and over the sound of all kind of machines and life support. I made a vow. I made a promise before God and before Him 
And I spoke into the atmosphere of that hospital room, and I said, Son, I want you to know that as long as I have life and breath, I will never allow anybody to forget the powerful man, 18, that you were and are. And I will pay tribute to you and your life the rest of your days. I can't describe to you what it's like to stand over your child, your only child, and see the last breath taken and the line go flat. There are no words that can describe that. But 20 years later, here I am, and God, you are my witness, and Brian, if the Lord is allowing you to listen, I'm doing what I said I'd do. He was and is the most amazing life that I've ever seen or known. Y'all know your pastors are not wimps, don't you? We've been through some stuff. The Lord was kind to give us after 13 years a our only child, and a few months later, the diagnosis was not good. It was more than just a failure to thrive, it was a genetic disease. That top, we were told, tops maybe 12 years, but a brutal journey for those 12 years. They were wrong about the 12, right about the brutal journey. Most of you have no idea we didn't talk about that much. That wasn't something we were to wear. But um, by God's grace, by God's grace, day after day, we were able to live and love and enjoy this beautiful gift. I don't ask the Lord anymore why why did we have to go through this? I ask the Lord now how could you have been so loving and gracious to entrust this gift to Dean and me. I've changed the question, but only because of God's grace. In 1997, I was about to teach a class here at a 
local metro church, and I got a phone call from Dina. I answered it, and uh, she had just gone into her dad's apartment. Her mother had literally lost her mind due to dementia and was in UAB psych ward. She called and said, I came in to see Daddy. He's dead. She had walked into his apartment and he was gone. Two years later, her mom went on. Then this journey with our son. We've been through some stuff. One reason why we have the ministry partners and the church family that we do today is there ain't nobody here putting on a show. But um, I truly want to tell you today, the pain persists. I had a breakdown this week. Yeah, your pastor, the strong man who's married and buried a bunch of y'all. <laughs> I had a breakdown this week. It just ran over me like a truck. You know how that feels, Louise, Cobby, Bud, Wayne. We have several people in this church fellowship that have lost children, grandchildren. It's brutal, right? Right, Gene? Right, Susan? So how do you get through that? Some try to cover it up and mitigate life with substances. Some try to fill it with other people who can never fully, totally fill the void. Some try to just get busy and forget about it. But how do you really get through it victoriously? It takes grace. Do you really know what grace is? Oh, you've heard the word, but do you really know what it is? Grace is a spiritual force that flows out of the love of God. Grace is that force that flows out of the love of God that is God's favor and His ability. If you've, if you've received Jesus as your Lord, he won't force you into the family, but if you've received him as your Lord, you're his favorite son. You're his favorite daughter. His favor. It's unconditional love. And that grace is God's favor and it's God's ability. 
which computes to his strength. Sooner or later, you're going to understand that there are things that you just don't have the strength to fix. You can't overcome it, regardless of how hard you try. And so today, I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, at one of the most famous passages of Scripture, but one of the most least understood. So how do you get through? How do you overcome these situations? And, you know, yours may not be like some of the rest of us who've gone through this deep pain. And by the way, uh, Dina wrote a pamphlet years ago in 08, and if you care to get one, you need to ask her, called um, How to Minister to Somebody Who's Lost a Child. I highly recommend it. It is practical, and it'll give you some great insight in what to do and what not to do. A lot of people don't know how to respond to somebody like that. Not long after Bryant passed, Dean and I were at a, a um, wonderful gathering with some friends. We walked out to go to our car, and a local pastor, certainly not mine, but a local pastor came up to Dina and I, and this is what he said. Have y'all gotten over your son's death yet? Y'all don't know how close your pastor was to having a jail ministry. You, you, you got that one, didn't you? Some people really mean well, they just, can I just tell you the whole Cliff Notes version of this? Just tell them that you love them and that you're praying for them and you have no idea what it must feel like. Those are the three magic words to help somebody. Y'all need to pray for me. I <laughs> we okay back there, Wayne? <laughs> First, Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Paul talks about how God gave him such an experience that it was unbelievable. He said in in the first two verses, "I was caught up to the third heaven." That is, God, whether he was in his body or whether he was just in his spirit, he said, I got before in the very throne of God into paradise, and I heard inexpressible words, which it's not even lawful for me to even talk about. And he said, I could boast about that, but that's not where I'm going. He said in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, this 
thorn in the flesh. This issue that just plagued me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Notice the words, I, Paul, pleaded with the Lord. Do you think Paul would have had quite an audience with the Lord? Yes or no? The apostle whom the Lord used to write 12 books of the, Old, of the New Testament, three times he said, I went back to the Lord over and over and over again in my prayers, and I asked him, please take this away from me. And he said, verse 6, My grace, my favor, and my ability is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of you know that the stage, the context, the platform for God's strength is your weakness? God don't beat you up when you admit your weakness. It's like a magnet that draws them to you. You admit your need. My grace is sufficient for you. It's all you'll need. Could God have removed this thorn in the flesh, yes or no? But notice his answer. You to understand grace is more important and more valuable than for me to remove this thorn. My strength is made. In other words, what God is saying is, I'm working on something deeper than just giving you some relief. I am working on development, not deliverance. Now that's not something we like to hear in this culture. But it's the heart of our Lord. My grace is sufficient for you. My, my favor, my ability is all you need because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, he says, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities. The word infirmities is translated several different ways in the New Testament. Sometimes it's, it's translated sickness. Sometimes it's, it, it is translated uh, weakness frailty. It can be mental, it can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be emo relational. It has to do with, with, with pain, with, with weaknesses. I will gladly therefore boast in my infirmities, my weaknesses, my pain. You say, well, I don't know about that. <clears throat> how many of you know how painful it is sometimes to have an issue that you can't fix? That's pain. Mental and emotional, soulish pain. It hurts. I will rather boast in my infirmities that, why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many of you would love for the power of Christ to rest on you? How many of you know that, it, it, that part, the invitation for the power of Christ to rest upon you is to admit your own insufficiency in and of yourself? Depend on the Lord. If you could have fixed it, you would have already done it. My grace, my favor, my ability is sufficient for you. For my strength, Jesus said, 
is made perfect in your weakness. So when we're weak, a lot of people have the idea, well, you can't admit weakness. You can't, you can't, yes, you can. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you believe it? It is our own inability recognized, our own recognized inability to fix it, to be it, to walk it, where we cry out to the Lord for His strength. You're a great candidate for God's grace if you'll stop believing that you're the Lord of your own life. You're not. Most gladly I will boast in my own weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses as long as it's for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong because now I'm depending on the strength of the Lord. I'm trusting Him instead of me. God's grace is not some theoretical floating around fairy tale. God's grace is real and it is operative. There is, unfortunately, in some, the thought that, well, you know, and, and, and I used to be this way myself, and, and I confess it to you. You read this passage and you say, well, what he was really asking for was to be healed because he had an issue. Well, he may have and he may not have. The truth of the matter is, the Bible's not clear what it was. Did you hear that? Why do you think you know something that the Bible is not clear about? That's just arrogance. Three amens. It's true. It's true. It is true that Paul most probably had a vision issue. He said, I, if it were possible, I would have plucked out my own eyes and uh, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. But these are just hints. They're not full disclosures about what this thorn in the flesh was. Do you know that also in the Old Testament, there are several times where a thorn in the flesh are mentioned and it has to do with a failure to deal with enemies in the land of Canaan. You didn't deal with them, and now they become a thorn in your flesh. So a thorn in the flesh might be an issue in our own, our own flesh, our own um, former way of living, thinking, and speaking. It could be some old habits. It could be some old relationships. It could be some old ways of thinking. The thorn in the flesh may be something physical, but it could also be something that's very spiritual. Whatever it is, to you it might be physical, it might be financial, it might be relational, it could be any number of things. But understand this, that sooner or later, you and I are going to have a thorn. There's something that we keep asking God to remove from us and he does not choose to remove it. He says, I'm going to give you my grace, but I'm not going to take this away right now. I'm going 
to give you the grace, my favor and my ability, my strength to walk through this instead of around it. I'm not going to let you skip this part because it's going to give me glory and it's going to develop you into a stronger person and it's going to be to your benefit if you go through it instead of around it. This thorn, whatever it may have been, notice that the, the, um, the devil used it. A messenger of Satan. Well, <clears throat> Pastor, if it was a message of, uh, if it was a, a messenger of Satan, how could God be working to do something when Satan is involved. This is going to mess with some of y'all. Do you know that our God is so mighty, so sovereign, so all-powerful and all-knowing that he can even use what the devil means for your demise to bring glory to himself. Yes, he can. The devil is no match for our God. And sometimes the devil is just a unwilling agent, bud. He doesn't do it willfully. But because he's not sovereign and omniscient, sometimes he plays right into the hands of our sovereign, loving God. He should be resisted. He should be hated and despised and overcome by God's power, his word, his grace. But never forget that whatever the enemy is trying to do to you, there is one who loves you more. There is one who is all-powerful. There is one in whose hands your life is. And he can take <clears throat> when I was coaching football, I finally learned, Carl, I finally learned that the best coaches were not those who had a good offense and defense. The best coaches were those who were able to take what the enemy was doing and use it against them. If they were, if they were really fast, use traps and draws. No, I, I'm losing some of y'all. I, I, I know that. You have a master coach in charge of your life if you've asked him to. He knows what the enemy's trying to do to destroy you. You need to trust and depend on him who sees and knows it all. Amen. He can take what the enemy even does and use it against him. Well, this, do you understand here? 
And, and please, some of you say, well, that means that um, when you ask God to heal you, He'll either heal you or give you the grace to go through it. That's true, but don't say that flippantly, and you need to understand this too. There's also healing grace. Did you hear the testimony today? Part of healing grace is, and I was talking to Dr. Troy earlier this morning, and I've said this many times to Dr. Scott and Debbie, medical science is a beautiful gift of God. It's light. It's not darkness. The devil didn't invent medical science. That's God's light. Amen. Understand this, that there's no evidence that the Lord refused to heal Paul. If this is talking about physical, a physical ailment, he may not have been healed immediately, but he certainly was healed ultimately. How do you know that, Pastor? Because this was written in 55 A.D., and Paul was still living and serving and ministering in 67 A.D. until Nero executed him. So whatever this was, if it was a physical ailment, it didn't stop him from fulfilling what God had called him to do. If you'll rely on God's grace, whatever you're having to deal with will not stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. Amen. The grace of God. God's favor and God's ability. God's grace is more than enough. It's more than enough strength. I love Philippians 4.13. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Turn with me to, Philipp to Philippians chapter 1. God's grace is what gives you the resilience and the resolve to keep going. You look, at, you look around not only at Dina and me, you look around, there's Louise who's lost two children, there's Bud who's lost two children, there's Wayne who's lost his daughter in a horrendous wreck, there's, there's look, I could go around and give you testimonies of people, listen, I could give you glorious testimonies today of people all over this room and all over the sound of my voice. And you know, you know how I can prove to you that they're walking in grace? Because they got up today. Right, Dale? They got up today. They got up today. That meant somewhere along the line, God's strength united and fortified their will to take the next right step. Sometimes, the way you know grace will prevail is you are just willing to take the next right step. Quit making it so fancy and theoretical. It's the strength to take the next right step. Grace. God's grace. 
Sometimes you're going to want to pull the covers over your head. Sometimes you're going to want to lose yourself in something that will just distract you. But it's grace that's going to give you the strength. This resolve. Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, I desire there in verse 20, that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is what? How many of you think of death as gain? When you start thinking about the grace of God, you'll know it. Because you, if you are in Christ, you're never going to suffer another minute of your existence when you're in Christ. Have you received Him as your Lord? You say, well, Pastor, I'm going to spend eternity paying for what I've done down here. No, if you're in Christ, you're going to spend eternity receiving the benefits of what He did down here for you. That's the good news of the gospel. More than enough. Resolve to do what? Paul says, if I live on in the flesh, verse 22, this will mean fruit from my labor. I'll bear fruit. There's meaning there. Yet, what I shall choose, listen to this, what I shall choose, I don't know yet. I can't tell you. Now, here's a mystery that the Lord showed me this week that I, that I still don't know the answer to, Jeff. Our choice is somewhere involved in there. When we get to that place that Paul was facing the end of his journey, our choice is involved in there somewhere. When I was crying out to the Lord and I didn't know what end was up and the heavens seemed like brass and I was getting nowhere and everywhere I went it was just darkness. It seemed like the whole world. And then the early days after Bryant passed, I'm telling you to put a lick on you. I said to the Lord, how can this be? We prayed all these years. All these years we prayed. We believed and we stood. Here's what the Holy Spirit, not with an audible voice, but in my, in my heart, He gave me a knowing. And this is what He said, you don't know everything. Now that sounds like a ridiculous statement. No, no. He said, you don't know everything. You don't even know. In those days and hours between heaven and earth, you don't know what he and I talked about. You don't know everything. So here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Y'all listening? You know now I'm a bishop. You know now that I've got a doctor's degree. You know now that I've served six churches over 50 years. But here is the great pearl of wisdom for you today. You ready? Why did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I know whom I have believed. Now I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What day? 
when we shall know even as we have been known, when we shall see as he sees. So, that resilience. Remember, God loves, he hopes all, th- love hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, so that means that grace, grace will always be available to you if you'll open your heart and receive it. How do I do that, Pastor? In closing, how do I receive the grace of God? How do I walk in this prevailing grace? Number one, every day, recognize and admit your total dependence on the Lord. That you can't fix this. You can't make these feelings go away. Recognize your total and complete dependence on the Lord. By faith, receive His grace. Give Him thanks for it. Number two, decide continually to trust. Always remember the power of Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. In all your ways, let Him in. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. What a powerful promise. And third, Recommit to take the next right step. Lord, I'm not going to let fatigue. I'm not, I'm gonna not going to let grief. I'm not going to let confusion. I'm not going to let loneliness. I'm not going to let sickness. I'm not going to let anything stop me from taking the next right step. Hear the Lord. Submit to Him. Walk in Him. And I want you to remember this. When you're going through all of this, God's working on something deeper and higher than what you can see right now. I'm reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, our physical body, is perishing. You know your body's perishing, don't you? Yet the inward man... The real us, our spirit, our soul, is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, being renewed day by day. You're getting younger on the inside, Cobby. Being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Uh Uh-oh. These thorns, all this stuff, this pain is working for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That is something a whole lot more valuable, a whole lot more eternal, a whole lot stronger than what you're going through right now. As long as, here's the condition, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What you see right now, empty rooms. What you see right now, brokenheartedness, failing body, 
what you see right now, distance between you and people you love. What you see right now is almost nothing in your checking account. What you see right now, if you can see it, is temporary. And the word says, quit looking at all the things that are temporary and letting those control your life. All they'll do is bring you regret, fear, worry, covetousness. Quit focusing on the things that you can see. The things that you can't see are the things that are really important. They're the things that are really eternal. You know what that means? Part of the grace of God is that He has, in His love, He has not destined for you to stay stuck in this pain forever. Amen. God has not destined for you to stay in this state where you are forever. Focus on the things you don't see right now. God's faithfulness, His love for you, His grace, His kindness, His provision, the relationships that He has given you that bring you joy and and love. Focus on the things that you don't see right now on your plate, but you know on the basis of God's holy and eternal word, they are yours in Christ. Focus on the things you don't see. The things you do see, you're going to see change. Shift your focus. As an act of your will, shift your focus. Get into the worship and the word of God. Shift your focus. Well, Pastor, if all of that's true, then why would we have to go through stuff that we need grace? I, I want to remind you that this side of heaven, we have an opportunity to be carriers of the love and the grace of God. I still don't like, Dina still doesn't like being parents that will never see our child again, never go to a wedding, never see grandchildren. We don't like that. We still don't like it. It's still painful. It's still painful. But you know, I heard from a few of you this week who obeyed the scriptures. You know what you said? You obeyed the word. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Dean and I went to see Louise when Chris is passing. Louise will tell you, this is her mighty pastor here. I just sat down there in the, in the den and cried. I couldn't say anything. But she knew I got it. I want to tell you something. While you're on this earth, if you've been through some stuff and received the grace of God, you are still here to help others go through the pain you've been through. Yeah, you are. You've got a mission and a ministry 
to help other people get through what you got through. You got to take the next right step. There's enough grace if you'll call on it for you to succeed. Take the next right step. Some of you have been through other all kinds of pain. You've been through divorce. You've been through um, uh, relationship brokenness. You've been through all kinds of things. And it was grace that brought you safe thus far. Grace will lead you home. And that means that while you're still here, you're supposed to invest in other people the grace that God gave you. That is why you're still here. Through many dangerous toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Come on up here, Deborah. There's a song we sang at Bryant's celebration service 20 years ago. This day, 20 years ago, August 6th, Dr. Culpepper was used of God to present a mighty masterpiece, as he always does. And we all stood and sang this song. I'll never forget it. I want you to stand with me today. Would you sing this song together? By God's grace, it is well.
You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.